Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To my loyal bed crimers, hello. Hope you guys are all doing well. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out the channel. All I ask is that after watching and or listening to the video, if you find you enjoyed it or learned something, do me a favor, smash the like button. Now, without further ado, let's begin. This is episode two of the background story of Danny Markell and Wendy Adelson. If you haven't seen episode one, go back and watch that first, otherwise this might be a little confusing. As Danny Markell and Wendy Adelson navigated through their incredibly messy and contentious divorce, they both began dating. Wendy began hanging out with a Florida State University professor who specialized in social work. He was named Jeff Lacasse. Lacasse, who bears an eerie resemblance to Danny Markell, met Wendy through mutual friends. Lacasse would later tell the authorities this about his nine-month relationship with Wendy Adelson. Lacasse stated that the two subjects Wendy brought up each and every day were one, that Danny was an evil monster, and two, that Tallahassee, Florida was the worst place in the world to live and that she couldn't believe she was stuck there because of Danny Markell. Jeff Lacoste stated he wanted more than anything for Wendy to move on from her divorce. He also said he found her intoxicating, and he said that her family was very protective of her and that they wanted her and her young sons with Danny to move to South Florida to be near them. Lacoste also told the cops that Wendy confided in him that her brother, Charlie, talked about hiring a hitman to take care of the Danny Markell problem. And Lacoste said that he was absolutely sickened by this, which is how any normal, stable person would react to that. Lacoste also stated, quote, there was some creepy stuff there, end quote. And when he said that, he was referring to Wendy's family. Now, Danny, too, at some point realized that it was no use pining for Wendy. So he began making an effort to meet women at the various conferences that he regularly attended. And at some point, he met a woman named Amy, who he said knocked his socks off. Danny threw himself into this new relationship which was a little challenging because Amy lived in New York. Soon Danny was looking for excuses to fly there. His friends were relieved to see him so happy. Now, on June 20th of 2013, a judge in Tallahassee denied Wendy Adelson's motion for relocation with her sons. Fast forward a year to May 15th, 2014, and a hearing is scheduled for a motion by Danny Markell to prevent Wendy's mother, Donna Adelson, 
from seeing his and Wendy's sons without supervision. It was only a month later, on July 18th of 2014, a little after 11 a.m., that a neighbor who lived in the house across from where Danny Markell was living on Trescott Drive saw something out of the ordinary from his front window. And instead of ignoring what he saw, the neighbor dialed 911. Take a listen. Okay, what, what's, he, what's going on with him? I don't know. The, the, the driver's side window is all bashed in, and he's got blood all over his head. He's inside. I don't know if somebody tried to shoot him or if he shot himself or what. I don't know. Okay. All right. He's standing by, and I've heard about break-ins in the area, and so I decided to walk over and take a look. And the garage door was up and asked him what was happening. And then I saw the window was shattered. He's still moving around, so he's alive. Thankfully, this neighbor wasn't afraid to walk over to Danny's driveway and garage and look inside. The neighbor saw the driver's side window of Danny's black Honda Accord shattered, and Danny sat covered in the red stuff. He was moaning but unable to speak. His eyeglasses were broken and on the car's floor. Emergency services soon arrived, and they found Danny alive but unresponsive. The hospital staff, recognizing that Danny's injuries, a wound through his forehead and another into his cheek, were the kind where there's no coming back from them. They kept Danny alive long enough for his parents, who lived in Canada, to come and say their goodbyes. Danny's colleagues also came to the hospital to pay their respects, to say that his friends and family were shocked at the crime is an understatement. Less than 24 hours after being accosted in his own garage, Danny Markell died. Now, at 2.47 p.m. on the day of the crime, Wendy Adelson was driven down to the police station, and that's when she claims she heard that a shooting took place on Trescott Drive. She claims she didn't know anything about what went down. At the beginning of her five-hour police interrogation, Wendy hyperventilates and she shakes her head. The officer tells her that Danny's been injured and he's not expected to survive. At this, Wendy's voice rises and she begins to sob, or so it seems. Early in the interview, Wendy surprisingly throws her brother, Charlie Adelson, under the bus. She tells the officer that Charlie gave her a TV as a divorce present, but had joked that it was cheaper to buy the TV than to hire a hitman to take care of her ex-husband, Danny Markell. And, in fact, Wendy told the investigator that on that very morning, She'd had a TV repairman over because the TV that her brother bought her wasn't working. Later on, the police would discuss that Wendy's mother, Donna, had actually made the appointment for Wendy to get the TV repaired that morning. So the question is, did Donna make the appointment to ensure that Wendy had an alibi for that morning, 
Or was this just a coincidence? The TV just happened to be broken that morning. On the next episode, I'll discuss Danny Markell's schedule and itinerary on the day he died, as well as how life changed for Wendy's and Danny's sons and Danny's family post the crime. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Hey, smash that like button. I appreciate it, and I'll see you next time.